Podcast, Answer Man, episode number 203. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. Of course, it doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you've been podcasting for years, or you're just getting ready to get started. There's something we can all do to take our shows to the next level. And you know, in the studio today, I'm doing something on Podcast Answer Man that I have not done in a very long time. I have an in-studio guest, my great friend and fellow podcaster, Daniel J. Lewis. Daniel, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me here. And we've got some cool things to talk about today. I'm really excited about what's coming up, not just today, but is coming up in several months that we're going to talk about. That's right. And of course, today is going to be very heavily focused on podcamps. Before I, I move forward, I want to play some feedback from Judy Graff and uh, just give you somebody who has attended their first podcamp experience, being Podcamp Nashville 2011. And with that being said, um, let me just go ahead and play her voice feedback. It's, it's really good stuff. So I'm looking for feedback number 41. Judy, take it away. Hi, Cliff. This is Judy Graff. I'm calling for the show of the podcast Answer Man, and I wanted to uh, say how what a great time that Bill and I had at the podcast Nashville meeting you, Stephanie, Jonathan, and Eric had uh, just a great time meeting everybody. Bill had went to your session of the Podcasting 101 and the panel discussion, and he even said that Scott Gordon in his session talked about uh, your influence. So, And then when we were going to the hotel room um, later that day, he was saying, Cliff is everybody's hero because he's the podcast answer man. So I just thought that was a funny thing for him to say. And um, needless to say, he was pretty impressed with the whole, the whole process. Um, I think podcast was just a big shot in the arm for, to keep up the work we've been doing at uh, farmandranchcountry.com and the podcast we've been putting together. And it gave us so many new ideas. He even wrote down a new podcast on the way home, on the drive home from Nashville. And uh, we made so many new contacts, and it'll be exciting to see where those lead to. So I just wanted to <clears throat> leave a message for you and say how great a time we had meeting you and Stephanie. So thank you. Well, Judy, thank you so much for calling in your feedback. And, you know, it it was a privilege to get to meet you and your husband. Uh, Now, uh, Bill and Judy Graff are members of the GSPN community. In fact, they're both over on gspncommunity.com. And, uh, you know, basically what they've done is they've brought farming to new media. And uh, and it's I think it's appropriate for them because they are very much involved in new technology, even when it comes to their farming um, they're doing a they're they're doing audio podcasting. They're doing YouTube video of the week over there on their uh, on their site. They're doing some very in- exciting things. In fact, one of their videos is all about this new GPS uh, dr- you know driven system or tractor that they have. It's this massive tractor, and it's steered 
by GPS, and it makes them more proficient in their ability to plant evenly and and uh, even get more crops in. So, very exciting stuff that they're doing over there, Judy. I'm 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 glad that you guys were able to make it to PodCamp Nashville, and that you had such an inspirational time there, and that it, that you came away with it with a lot of new, um, a lot of new friendships. And also a lot of new inspiration as far as the ideas and information that you can do and carry into your social media work. So at this point now, I guess, Daniel, it'd be a good time to go ahead and talk about PodCamp experiences you and I have had and what that's going to, how that's going to influence PodCamp Cincinnati. Now, you want to explain the history of PodCamps in Ohio here? Yeah. PodCamps in Ohio started with what we called PodCamp Ohio. It was in Columbus, and it was uh, four years ago now. And uh, excellent event. We had it back then at a college, and it's always been at a college since then. More recently, we've been at Ohio State University. And Great venue, by the way. Yeah. Matter of fact, my favorite venue of all PodCamps. Really? Better than Boston? Better than Boston. Yeah, because the first uh, PodCamp Boston 2 that I went to was at um, PodCamp Boston 2 was in a major convention center. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Jeff. Um, the he's Jeff Pulver. OK, yeah. yeah. Jeff Pulver, very famous guy. Uh, wasn't he like a co-founder of Vonage or something like that? I don't know. He's he's pretty popular guy out there. Anyway, he had his VonCon or whatever, his voiceover IP or whatever conference there in Boston. And he gave a wing, he donated a wing of the convention center to PodCamp Boston too. And it was, it was nice. He had all these convention rooms, very large, would seat everybody. But the problem was is that for me, for me, the experience of PodCamp is the meeting between the meetings. It's it's yes. the it's the in the hallway things. Well, you're talking about a hugely massive, gigantic conference hall with a couple hundred people in it, mm. with a teeny little people <laughs> in it. And so, it, basically, what happened is people got so dispersed that even though, and by the way, that was probably the highest attended PodCamp that I've ever been to, PodCamp Boston too. But even with probably, I don't know, five, six, seven, maybe even 800 people there, um, it was, it, they I mean, it was just like they were dispersed out. Mm. I mean, it was, so it didn't keep people gathered together. Yeah. And PodCamp Boston is like the mecca of it PodCamps is. because it's that's where, where PodCamp yeah, started. It's the birthplace. The birthplace of PodCamp. And so, yeah, that's the place everyone wants to go to because don't uh, Chris Penn or Sean Penn and or Chris. Christopher S. Penn yeah. and, and Chris Brogan. Um, Chris Brogan. Don't they still present at PodCamp mm-hmm. Boston? Yep, they do. Yeah. They do. And so a, a lot of people go there. Um, Eric Fisher and myself and Stephanie, we all three went up to PodCamp Boston 5, I think. Was it five? I think it was five. Anyway, we went there and it was at the uh, Microsoft uh, Institute. So it was in Cambridge, Mass. That was a very good location, but still not my favorite. And the reason why is because Microsoft had this one huge gigantic room and then it is, um, it's got those collapsible walls. Oh, yeah. That, so not good they're, like they're that. pretty thick and they're somewhat sound absorbent. But with the collapsible walls, what you had was people in the next room be, with all within all of these rooms that are broken into with collapsible walls and everybody's voice is amplified. And so and, and then some of the rooms were very, very, very tiny. Yeah. And matter of fact, my session, 
I was very unhappy with my session because I had to move tables around. And because I had to move tables around and my room was so small, it was packed. I literally couldn't breathe. It was so hot. So, I mean, it was, I was miserable as I was speaking. And so, uh, yeah. So well, let me explain what um, PodCamp Ohio, now we're calling it PodCamp Columbus because there are different PodCamps within the Ohio state now. Sure. So PodCamp Ohio, the venue that we've had, and this is the ideal situation, mm-hmm. is there was one large auditorium in the center of this building. And we kind of had the whole building to ourselves, the whole first floor around this auditorium. And the auditorium was stadium style seating, worked great, huge screen up front. There was wireless there. No, the wireless wasn't exactly the best as no. far as how you sign on, but it still worked. Yeah. Mostly. And <laughs> we had this great auditorium seated 200, 250 maybe. Yep. And then there were all around the auditorium classrooms that weren't directly connected to the auditorium, but just on the other side of the hallway. All of these classrooms that had the technology in there, like for a college would normally have. So projector, audio equipment, microphones, computers, yep. plug-in lines, all of that, all around the auditorium. So if you just ran circles around the auditorium, you would see all of the classrooms where stuff was going on. And the hallways were really wide hallways, yep. lots of space to meet in the hallways and talk to people, lots of rooms that we could use for breakout sessions or all of the multiple sessions going on at a single time. It was a fantastic event, and that's what I'm looking for with PodCamp Cincinnati, too. We haven't secured a venue yet, but that, I think, is the ideal yeah. description of a place. If we could get a building at UC, a building at NKU, a building at any of the universities, I mean, that is, I mean, because OSU, that that venue was the best, because you did, you had that one centralized mm-hmm. meeting area, and you had all these classrooms, again, wired for the technology, it was so nice to be able to just take my laptop in, plug into the VGA adapter, and have, and bring a little one-eighth inch adapter, and bring my audio, and have it broadcast oh, yeah. out, I mean, it was, it was beautiful, and not only that, but you had the classroom, because it was a classroom, you had desks, people mm-hmm. could sit down, they could actually write notes in front of them, it, it, it is, it, and if, even just outside the building was fantastic. The first PodCamp Ohio was at an ITT Tech Institute. Yes. And outside of the building was a parking lot. And that yeah. was it. Outside of this building at Ohio State University is a park where people, the the more... Um, what do they call it? The circle or something or... The outdoors, yeah, it, it was it, something it, that they some kind of. They have that that yeah. Anybody at OSU would know what it's called. Yeah, well, you could go outside and get some fresh air if you wanted to. You could, we would play frisbee. It was awesome. <laughs> you could run into a park bench and bloody up your leg if you yeah, wanted I heard to. Somebody, some yeah, goofball did that, like me maybe. <laughs> but uh, that so now PodCamp Ohio has been rebranded as PodCamp Columbus because there are now multiple. Podcamps in right. Ohio. There's Podcamp Cleveland, which the first one was last year at the end of April. Did you go to that? Year. By the yes, way, yes, I did. How did, how was that? It uh, is very interesting because here's the way I would describe it: looking at the three different places now that we'll be having podcamps, Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati. Columbus is kind of a tech center. That's where WordCamp Columbus was a very geeky, techy yeah. center. There are web hosting companies and a lot of technology companies in Columbus. Cincinnati has a lot of social media people down here. Cleveland is bare. There's not much up in Cleveland in terms of technology or social media people. Now, there are, yeah, social media people. 
they're not connecting as much. So it's you could see it two different ways. You could either see it as it's dead or you could see it as, oh, this is a prime market to get into for social media. Right. So PodCamp Cleveland was attended by a lot of people who wanted to learn what social media is. Right. Not just specialize in certain fields, but a lot of people were there, had no idea what Twitter was. They wanted to know what Twitter was and they came there for that. They wanted to learn how do they start blogging? How do they start podcasting? All this stuff like how do they start, not how do you get better or how do you broaden or any of that. You know, and 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 I th- I find that every podcamp has those people because oh, yeah. and, and of course it was expected at Podcamp Boston too. Um, you know, I remember we were all talking about Facebook, you know, this this thing. It's like, hey, let's <laughs> sign on to this thing called the Facebook, you know, and and um I, I don't think Twitter had come out at that point. Um or it was brand new and just being talked about. But anyway, I, I do. Re, I, I, and I remember um, Utters, U-T-T-E-R-S oh, yeah. Yeah, or uh, ERZ.com or something like that. It got purchased by someone. Yeah. And then closed. Exactly. So anyway, so it was all brand new then. And everybody, you know, podcasting was even relatively new at that time. And people wanted to know. But since then, I've been to subsequent podcasts and I've seen, you know, people who you know, the different layers of people, the people who are more advanced, the people who is like, you know, it's like, come on, seriously, you don't know what Twitter is yet. But, you know, even at PodCamp Boston 5, I actually created, my session was more of an advanced topic. And I, and my my session was well attended, but what I found afterwards is that most of the people in that session were not prepared for an advanced mm. topic. Yes. They were there to learn about podcasting. They weren't there to learn about how, you know, you know, the advanced end of podcasting. You know, after you've been podcasting for a couple of years, how do you do X, Y, and Z? They, that's it's like, no, how do you plug in a mixer? Mm-hmm. You know, do you have to have um, what kind of microphone? And that's that's the information they were looking for. And so for me personally, it was a wake up call because it was it was kind of like the the second time I've been approached by that. I, even at PodCamp Columbus last year, I did a pretty advanced topic. I talked about all the different ways that I'm monetizing my podcasting, and it was well attended. But even there, a majority of the people you could just sense. Well, actually, I asked the questions: How many people here have a podcast? And you know, like twenty people out of the eighty or ninety people that were there said, you know, me. And that, that's a lot of people who don't have a podcast that were there learning about this. So if if I were going to say anything to somebody who were thinking about um, speaking, but maybe are a little intimidated because you, you may not feel like you're all that advanced, if you know anything about social media, if you know how to create a Facebook fan page... I mean, I mean, how how much easier can it be to go to facebook.com slash pages, click the button and fill out some information, right? Right. You know, we know that stuff. But I want to tell you at any given podcamp, it doesn't matter if you're in the tech hub of the world, at a podcamp, you're going to get people who will, it's like, if you did a session, how to create a Facebook fan page for your business, I guarantee you, you would have a full class of people eager to watch you show them how to do it. And that's what's so awesome about podcamps because they they call podcamps an unconference and you can go to podcamp.org to read about what a podcamp is and how they define it. But an unconference is where anyone can speak. This isn't a conference where it's only the big names in social media can present and only these advanced topics. It's like you're saying, the beginner can present just as well as the advanced person. And in fact, 
as a presenter, there are opportunities to learn during your own session because you might be sharing information and during the question and answer time at the end, if you have that, then someone might give a tip for something and you've learned from your audience during your presentation. Right. Or you can be there to attend and learn these things from a beginner to an advanced level. And that's the awesome thing about it is there are sessions for whatever level someone wants. Yeah, absolutely. And and so the other thing is, is of course, when we talk about, since we're talking now about uh, speaking, I wonder if we will be doing lottery drawing for our speakers and how that's going to happen. Well, tickets will be $5 each and <laughs> it will be done by Ralph. No, no, it, the, I, I kind of took that issue a little bit personally too, even though I didn't get to go to PodCamp Nashville, but because I'm organizing a PodCamp, I've looked at all of the rules and stuff about PodCamps and what PodCamps should be. For PodCamp Cincinnati, it will be a first come first serve based on space. And what I'm going to do when we open up the registration for the speakers to give their presentations is speakers can submit as many topics and sessions as they want to. I've uh, been to a podcast before where I spoke four times. I don't recommend that necessarily for people out there, but people could submit four sessions. But what the registration form will ask is for them to define which one is their primary session. Right. So that if we get so many sessions that we don't have the space for, Rather than kick out a speaker, I want to reduce the number of sessions so that every speaker will get to present. They just might not get to present as many times as they wanted to, depending right. on space. So basically, if, if somebody were to submit themselves for four topics and they were within the first that signed up, basically they're going to say which one is their primary. And if there are more people that want to get in than there are space available, basically that person's only going to get one spot. Yes. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense. And one of us will personally talk to that person to make sure that they understand. And then if like maybe they have four sessions and they only get two, well, they can decide what they want their second one to be. Right. And that way also it's not just, it's not going to be a machine to them that they'll know that, well, yeah, this third session I was planning to do, someone else is going to do that anyway. And that person is actually better at it. So yeah, I'll let them have the space the good thing about if we can't and of course we don't have a location yet do, do we have potential locations we have yes potential locations that we're in negotiations with and i've been checking out interesting locations cool <laughs> all right um are you allowed to share any of those yet uh, i can tell you just a list of certain locations that we've been looking at okay is uh there is the cincinnati state university uh, university yeah and that is uh that's the home in cincinnati of the social media certification course Sweet. And that would be really cool. They have two different campuses that we've been looking at. There's also University of Cincinnati, and they have multiple campuses that we'll be looking at. Northern Kentucky University, again, multiple locations. There are a couple smaller technical schools like Beckfield, and uh, I can't remember the other one at the moment, but smaller tech schools that might have space for us. We've also even looked at the Irish Heritage Center uh, near downtown Cincinnati, It was an old school that's now being converted to a a community center kind of thing. And so we've been looking at several venues, and we've been finding that there are certain things that are obvious, no, we can't work with this because of this. And certain little details I'm realizing that are things that could be really important, like a window into the classroom. I'm not talking metaphorically here, but an actual window or a glass door or something so people in the hallways can see what's going on in a classroom. And that right. seems like something that would be important. 
Uh, so we're looking with these different venues, and I am extremely grateful to Mary Beth Dunn, who is, she is managing great. all of this. Yeah, she's just stepped up and said, I would love to volunteer and help out with this. So I'm loving that because I'm delegating that task to her. She's negotiating with the different venues and lining up appointments, and I just show up, and it's fantastic. And that's the way that I want to do the rest of the PodCamp planning. Now that we have a definite date for PodCamp What, what Cincinnati, is that date, by the way? October 22nd for PodCamp Cincinnati. All right. So it's going to be a one-day event. Yes. All right. Uh, for this first time, mm-hmm. I know two-day events could be great, but for this first time, we're going to keep it to a one-day event. Now, that's officially one day. There will be right. the evening activities before and the evening activities so, after. So that, that's a great question here. Um, so is there going to be a planned evening activity the night before and the night of? Planned in the sense of a specific place we will go to eat and hang out. Okay. But not activities like a schedule or things sure, going on. Sure, sure. But no, I mean, it, it, see, that's the other thing that I've noticed. And one of, one of the benefits that I've seen of two-day events, um, you know, which are usually, actually, I think PodCamp, Bo- no, okay, PodCamp Boston was a Saturday and Sunday. Okay. All right. So uh, pod, that's PodCamp Boston too. Um, and what I noticed was that with a two-day event, people came in for Friday evening and they would have a Friday evening pre-party and then they would have Saturday, and then they would have a Saturday evening party, and then everybody who eventually got out of bed would come Saturday or Sunday, and they would have the final you know events of the day and stuff like that, and then everybody would disperse and go home. What Spending I, the weekend partying, partying, yeah, partying. Yeah, it's Friday. So anyway, um, what I what I've noticed with one day events is that the parties, the after parties, are always lightly attended yes um and so what because ha- especially for somebody like me you know i travel long distances to go to these and i know a lot of people will as well and i know that having a two-day event makes it w- even like more it's like more bang for your buck if you're actually going to travel somewhere so i i think that you know, i'm not suggesting that we make the first podcast cincinnati a two-day event um but what i do know is that if it was a two-day event you'd get a whole large you would get a much larger out-of-town crowd Yes. You know, you'd get people who you'd get people fly from Hawaii and California and all over the United States and and even sometimes out of outside of the US they would come for a two-day event but not for a one day. So probably what we'll notice is mostly local, you know, people within, you know, maybe 5 to 6 hour driving distance and a couple diehard people who will will fly in. I would love to see Podcamp Cincinnati become a major social media conference because Cincinnati, like I said before, has so many social media groups in around Cincinnati. There are even just two, no, three or four regular monthly social media groups in Mm -hmm. Cincinnati, New Media Cincinnati, Cincinnati Social Media. Uh, There's also a Social Pint Network and a couple others. And then there's Dayton, which has New Media Cincinnati or New Media Dayton. And all of these social media groups around Cincinnati that I think as we come together and start having these events, we could bring in some really big talent uh, to give that extra boost, but also emphasize the local people who are experts in their own fields or not necessarily even experts, but just know what they need to know and can share that information with others. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of doing that. I think I think that if to to make it an event that would be huge, I, I think it would, you know, in the future it would be a two-day event. Um, 
So, so okay, so we're look, you know, being a one day event. The the good thing is with all the things that you're looking at, I can see success in that we're looking at schools, multiple classrooms. Yes, and having a a minimum of about five different classrooms. You know, four, four minimum. Okay, five would be great. And if you had six or seven, then you have you can spread out. So you can have so many different sessions. People have so many different options, and you can actually leave a couple. You know, one or two classrooms. Uh, open like there's nothing in there and people can do the breakout sessions and have a full place um and and people can come and participate i i like i like all of that so saturday october 22nd yes now what about people who want to get involved how do they get involved well first of all for people who are just interested in attending and want to get involved check out the website podcampcincinnati.com it's been a little dormant lately but it's about to pick up on activity now that we've have a definite date October 22nd we can start picking up activity with registrations and speakers and schedules and all of that so check out podcampcincinnati.com and it has links to our Twitter account and our Facebook page or if you want to just visit those pages you can go to podcampcincinnati.com slash Facebook or twitter.com slash podcampcincy with a y Okay, very cool. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's still room for people who want to sponsor oh, yes. PodCamp Cincinnati, some businesses out there. And in fact, I want to mention that you are sponsoring in kind by we're going to have a live podcasting room. And you've said that you'll be happy to set that up and have that there. And so people can try out podcasting, live podcasting with high end professional equipment. Yeah. And you'll be able to connect with many people there and people can connect with you and learn from that. Yes, absolutely. We will have, we definitely will have a live uh, room. If you want to come and do a show live, you'll be able to do a show live. There'll be an internet audience out there. People can chat with you. You can, you can do your, you can run your own live show, even if it's your very first one. Oh, yeah. And so, and something I'm going to do at PodCamp Cincinnati that I've not heard done like this anywhere else is I want to require every speaker's session to be recorded. If they don't have the ability to record it themselves, like with a portable recorder, then we'll have some recorders standing by that we can record the sessions. But everyone who gets their sessions recorded, I will have people who will be like hounds on them to get those recordings. No editing, get those recordings. That way, that weekend, we'll have all of the recordings from PodCamp Cincinnati posted on the website available for people to download and listen to for That free. is very ambitious. Yes. It's very ambitious. <laughs> But it's something I definitely want to do. I remember the first PodCamp Ohio, mm-hmm. they brought in a company to record all of the sessions. Yep. And all of the sessions were available online, but it was about three or four weeks after the event. I would love to be able to tell people, visit the website tomorrow and you can download any of the sessions that you've heard today and listen to them again. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. All right, so um, here we go. You go to podcampcincinnati.com. Yes. And if you want to volunteer to help out with efforts at podcampcincinnati.com, we encourage you to do so. If you are a business out there or even, you know, even your own brand and you want to uh, put your logo somewhere on on some materials and, and be known as a sponsor, you can sponsor PodCamp Cincinnati. And of course, we want to encourage everyone out there um, that can make it, whether you're driving, flying, whatever the case may be, come to PodCamp Cincinnati. It is going to be a blast. Daniel, thank you so much 
for uh, tuning in or to coming into the studio here today. And uh, I want to tell people you also do a podcast about podcasting. You want to tell people about it real quick? Yeah, I do three podcasts currently. I've got my own little network building. I have the Audacity to Podcast, which is where I also talk about podcasting, approach it from a different perspective. And I focus on Audacity in it. So where you talk about audition a lot, I talk about Audacity a lot. And then I also have a clean comedy podcast called The Ramen Noodle. And I have a Christian movie reviews podcast that teaches critical thinking along the way. And all of that is over at noodle.mx. It's the Noodle Mix Network, noodle.mx. Awesome. Daniel, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Cliff. Okay, so that was an interesting talk with Daniel J. Lewis over there at Noodle.mx and uh, very much appreciate having him in the studio and uh, folks need to go check out some of the other work that he's doing there. Hey, we're going to answer some questions here this week. I still got a little bit of time and so we're going to first turn to Dodge who came to us with a question about um, migrating everything over to Libsyn and and it's weird that I guess it's not too weird since the last episode I had Rob from Lipson on the show, but I got three different people who asked exactly this question. Hi, Cliff. This is Dodge of A Casual Stroll to Mordor podcast and blog, and we have a back catalog that's being hosted on a competitor of Lipson's site. However, we'd like to move over to Lipson. We have about maybe 100 shows total. We were wondering, how does Lipson handle podcasters who want to come over to their service initially and want to move the entire catalog. Is it an additional fee? Do they want you just to sign up for a higher subscription for that month? How does it how does it get handled and what's the best way for us to do this? Thanks for your advice. Thanks for all you do. All right, Dodge, thank you very much for your question. And to get the answer you were looking for, I sent an email over to Rob Walsh. And uh, I'm just going to basically read to you exactly word for word what he said. He said, um, thanks for forwarding this along. He says, we can import the old catalog from a podcaster's current RSS feed for a one-time feed a fee of $0.05 cents per megabyte. Uh, it says here that when they sign up for an account with Lipson.com and first log in, they need to go to the upper left-hand corner on support and create a support ticket and include their current RSS feed. Also, they need to indicate whether that they understand that there is a one-time, pers- uh, one-time fee of $0.05 cents per megabyte to upload their, um, to import their old episodes. It says here, then we will take care of the import and archiving their past episodes. If they are using a feed burner feed, he suggests that you do not give them the feed burner feed. Instead, give them the feed that feed burner is pulling from or your original feed. So um, just keep that in mind if you're using feed burner. He says, we will then import the source feed, including the GUID tags. Then all they have to do is repoint their new their feed burner feed over to their Libsyn feed, and pretty much everything else is going to uh, happen, and there won't be any problem with double downloading or anything like that. So he says, if you have any questions, of course you can you can uh, contact their support department. Uh, they're very good. By the way, I've I actually have had three people, the same three people, uh, tell me that they went to Lipson.com and used their contact us the the contact form on the site and have waited days and had not gotten a response from them. I want to let you know that that is not characteristic of Lipson. I don't know if there's some kind of breakdown. I did forward that report on to Rob this morning, Uh, but I want to let you know that uh, if you send an email, even if you're not a current client, 
If you send an email to support at Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com, you will get a response back and it'll be a good one. I mean, you, you, they do have some great support over there. So um, thanks, Rob, for giving me that answer. Dodge, I hope that answers your question. The other folks that were out there, I told you to check out episode 203 and there's your answer. Now, as a personal note, um, I think that Dodge said there's approximately 100 episodes and, and stuff like that. And and he mentioned how many gigabytes he thought that was. My, my, my math is not great. I've never claimed to be a mathematician. And so you can double check this if you want. You can leave me whole, all kinds of horrible uh, comments in my section about how bad my math, math is if, if, if I'm wrong here. But if, if, uh, if your show was an average of 50 megabytes per episode, that at five cents an episode or five cents a megabyte, that's about two dollars and fifty cents per show per episode. With a hundred episodes, that could be about two hundred and fifty dollars to transfer everything over. But this actually, you know, that's going to seem like a lot of money to a hobbyist. Although, if you're got a hundred episodes that are about a fifty megabyte, probably chances are you're not just the average hobbyist. So, so it, you know, for somebody like me, let's just say that you know, heaven forbid, anything ever happened to Lipson, and Lipson says, you know, hey, we're shutting things down here. Um, that that would be a horrible thing for me. Would I pay two hundred and fifty dollars for, let's say, uh, the Blueberry guys to to pull my content over? You better believe I would. I'd pay two hundred and fifty dollars in a heartbeat. So um, it, it, I think it's a it's a pretty decent deal. In fact, I'll let you know that Dodge, um, when he got this, I actually sent him the information even before recording it in the podcast here, and uh, it, it sounded like he might potentially be moving on moving on that. He he seemed pretty excited about the the option for them to do exactly this. So uh, Dodge, I hope that helps out. And next, we're going to move on to a voicemail feedback from. Uh, Jim Bramham, who wants to know about putting podcast episodes in your sidebar. So, Jim, take it away. Hi, Cliff. This is Jim Bramham from frogsmedia.com. This is for Podcast Answer Man. I'm wondering if it is possible to put a podcast recording in the sidebar. I'm using Thesis, and I'm using the PowerPress plugin, and it works great on pages and posts. And what I'm trying is copying the code from the page and putting in a text widget and it's not working. And I don't even know if it's possible to make it work on the sidebar. Someone suggested that I should put my intro podcast on the sidebar. That way, no matter what page anyone's on, they'll be able to hear it. I appreciate your help if it's possible. And thanks for everything you do, Cliff. Have a great day. Bye. All right, Jim, thank you very much. I want to say that using the, you know, the flash embedded player, all that stuff that comes in with your plugin with PowerPress, you're not going to be able to put the PowerPress short code in the text box and get it to pull up your player unless uh, Angelo Mondado wants to, to call in and correct me on that one. Uh, and so um, it's not going to be possible. And even before that, the, I did, I was using the one pixel out player, just the standalone plugin. And I did find that there's some, there's some documentation online that will allow you to put some, you know, some code into your header and, and, and some other JavaScript things that will allow you to take and put a bunch of code, like a hand coded HTML scripted code to make the one pixel out player work within your sidebar. I want to tell you that when I did that, it did cause my page to load slower and uh, it, and it caused a, a few issues that I did not like. So I took it out. Let me tell you what I'm going to recommend for you personally. 
I'm going to recommend that you actually fire up some kind of video um, editor of some sort and that you actually create a very small, tiny, let's just say 640 by 480, you know, video, okay? And and what you're going to do is you're going to use your intro podcast as a soundtrack for that video and then what you could do is as thing as you're talking about things in your video you can you can have like a slideshow playing in the background so to give you an example of this what I'd like to do is I'd like you to go to if you don't mind podcastanswerman.com and once you've created this video you upload it to YouTube and you can embed the YouTube video so I'm going to give you two examples of this I'm going to hit you if you go to podcastanswerman.com within the couple months of this podcast being recorded on March 31st, 2011, you're going to see two video, two YouTube videos right on top of each other. One is the power of podcasting for your business. And when I click play, it sounds like this. And three, there we go. Hi there, this is Cliff Ravenscraft from podcastanswerman.com. And right now I want to help you take a look at the power of podcasting for your business. Now, oftentimes when I work with business, okay, so there you go. You can hear it's high quality audio and everything like that, and there is a keynote presentation, and I use some screen capturing software. Now, on a Mac, I would recommend doing this with um, with ScreenFlow. On a PC, I, I would imagine you could probably do this with Camtasia. Now, chances are, Jim, if you are not doing screen capturing and stuff like that on a regular basis, you probably don't want to make that sort of investment. I'm sure you could use Windows Movie Maker on a PC and iMovie on the Mac. And those are free solutions. You could do something very similar to this. Uh, The other video is uh, an audio testimonial by Dan Miller. It says something like this. And here it is. Hi, this is Dan Miller, author of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Now, some of you may be familiar with my podcast. And if so, You've heard me talk about Cliff Ravenscraft. Cliff is known as the Podcast Answer Man and has proven the validity of that self-proclaimed title. Cliff is the Podcast Answer Man, both in terms of making a podcast engaging and in knowing how to select the best equipment to get the job done. I had Cliff coach me in both of these areas. He sat down with me. Now, this is after I'd been doing a podcast for about three years already, but then he gently coached me in some critical areas that I now realize have allowed for some major improvements. I'm so much more confident now in creating a podcast that can stand with the best in terms of professional sound and hopefully content as well. Cliff keeps learning and refining his own podcast and has attracted an enormous following as a result. I highly recommend him as the go-to guy for all things podcast. If you're looking to start a podcast or improve an existing one, Cliff Ravenscraft is indeed your answer man. There you go. Now, I want to tell you something. I used to have testimonials like that embedded using that special coded, you know, build, put it on your own site, HTML, one pixel out player. But if you go there and you look at the YouTube videos that I replaced that 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 old player with, these are much more impressive. It is much more impressive to have have a video to go along with those sidebar pieces of audio content. So I would take your first, you know, if you've gotten some feedback to to go and add your introductory podcast episode in your sidebar, I'd recommend turning it into a a YouTube video 
that looks pretty decent and then put that into your sidebar and let it be there for people to listen, to click and listen, and also maybe watch some some moving pictures along with it. So uh, Vicky says 640 by 480 sure does seem awful big for your sidebar. There is a reason uh, why I would recommend that you make it by 640 by 480. And the reason is, is hopefully you have a YouTube channel. And if you do not have a YouTube channel, you should create yourself a YouTube channel. Make some video content from time to time. It's a great channel. And if you make it 640 by 480, then you actually have a decent sized video for people who will actually view this on YouTube. That's right. You want to make sure that it's big enough that that people on YouTube, it's going to look like a normal sized video. And so then what you can do is when you actually have it on video on YouTube, you click the embed button and you can actually adjust the size and width of uh, the height and width of your embedded stuff. And I keep my uh, sidebars right around 300 pixels. And so I just change the width to 300 and it co- it'll actually adjust the height for me. And then I can take the embed code and then put it right down there. But yes, definitely start out with at least 640 by 480. And I'll tell you what, if you can, Make it 1280 by 720, high def, and uh, you know 30 frames a second, and, and, and make sure you embed your audio at very high quality and all that other good stuff. But anyway, I think you get the point, Jim. I hope that's helpful to you. I would not mess around trying to put audio player buttons in your sidebar, but instead convert them over to video. And don't just make it a, well, you can. You can make it just a static image. But if you could do something to maybe make the static images change from one to another, kind of like a slideshow, if you will, uh, get creative, play with it, have fun, and it might even add a little bit extra emphasis to your creativity and your brand over there at frogsmedia.com. All right, so next I'm going to actually end things on one more question here from Vince and... Uh, Actually, before I go to Vince, Vince's going to have a question about stats for me. But before I do that, I want to mention a couple other things here. So uh, the first thing I'm going to mention is PowerPress plugin version uh, two. So if you guys are familiar, I, I had told you a while back that I finally did give in to my great, great friends over there at Blueberry, Todd Cochran and Angelo Mandato. They've created this PowerPress plugin. I've poo-pooed these all-inclusive, all you know, everything built into one plugin for the longest time. And uh, because my KG Enclosure Flex plugin that I used to use was was bumming out on me on some of my installations, not all of them, but some of them, I decided to give PowerPress a try, and I'm a very minimalist even today with it. I, I set my clients up with PowerPress. I updated uh, WordPress for podcasters with uh, the new PowerPress uh, instructions built into it. And even my clients, I, it's like, listen, let me let me show you how what I would use them for and what I wouldn't use them for. And I'm very selective about what I use them for. Well, anyway, they recently released a brand new version of their plugin, uh, version 2.0. And 2.0 brings something pretty exciting to the table here. Uh, one of the things that I noticed is what I actually I've upgraded uh, Podcast Answer Man to 2.0.1 about a week and a half ago. I still have gspn.tv and all my other podcasts still at one point something. So they're they're not upgraded yet. But I was browsing my podcastanswerman.com site on uh, my iPad, and lo and behold, there was a audio player, an HTML5 version of an audio player. And guess what? It works. Uh, it, 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 I wish they would, you know, I'm looking forward to when these things kind of look as nice as the one pixel out player in the HTML5, but still, 
it works. And so if you have an iPad, go to podcastanswerman.com. You'll see it there. Now, one of the things that just happened, I'm, I'm teaching a class of 20 people. I'm Actually, today's the last day of that class, March 31st. You'll be hearing a lot of wonderful things from 20 new podcasters in this world, and I'm very excited about it. Actually, probably about 17 new podcasters. Three of them were already podcasting, and and uh, they're doing some new exciting things that I'm pretty pretty interested in uh, sharing with you in the very near future. But anyway, the thing is, is one of my one of my students in this class said, you know, hey, I followed everything on your tutorial. And when I click the play in new window link that's part of the PowerPress plugin, I'm noticing that it's giving me this double sound, this echo sound. And sure enough, I went to my own site and I clicked that button. And what happens is it's actually in Chrome only. It does not do this in Internet Explorer or Firefox. But if you guys have a Chrome browser and you go to, well, you actually can't do it because I've actually disabled that that little link. But anyway, if you have somebody who has version 2.0.1 or 2.0.2 of the PowerPress plugin, if you click their play in new window button or link, it will give you a pop-up player and it will start playing that file twice. That's right. It'll start playing it twice. One of them will be an HTML in the background and then it will be invisible. And the other one will be the flash player playing it. And you're going to hear it kind of like they're not going to start identically at the same time. So they'll be out of sync with each other. It does sound like a really bad echo. Now, if you want to, you can hit the pause button on the on the uh, the flash player and it'll just keep playing the HTML5 player that going in the background that you don't see. And you won't be able to pause that or stop it unless you actually close the little pop-up window. So this is a bug. I actually emailed Angelo Mandato over there and uh, told him what was happening. He confirmed it, found out what it was calling, causing it. There is going to be a 2.0.3 update available on the Blueberry plugin website uh, that you can download as a zip file and update. Now, he is not going to release that out to, you know, the plugin directory where you can do the automatic update for another, probably another 13 or 14 days. And the reason why is because he just did the 2.0.2 release and they don't want to put them, you know, he doesn't want to keep sending out a new release every single week. Uh, So uh, 2.0.3 is the one that will fix that. 2.0.2 will not. Now, if you're like me and you don't want that potential there for your audience to listen to um, a double player and you don't feel like going and getting the zip file and, and I mean, it, it's super easy, folks. It really is easy to, you know, to go and, and get the zip file and put into your plugins directory. But if you're not into that, I completely understand. What you can do is you can go into your uh, Blueberry settings and then um, what you want to do is go to the, I think it's media player or the uh, visual tab. Let me take a look real quick. It's actually called media appearance. All right. So if you click on the media appearance tab, there's a section that says media links and there's, it should have checked already. It should say display play in new window link. Uncheck that and then go down to the bottom and hit save settings. Now for me, I did that and guess what happened? I went to my site, I reloaded it and the link was still there. And I'm like, okay, so not only is there one bug, but now there's two bugs. No, there's not. I recently did install a, uh, or I didn't install, my my folks over at Servant, a hosting did this for me. 
but they actually, I shouldn't have told you that because they're not supposed to, well, they, it's not that they're not supposed to do that, but they did it and it's not a part of what they normally do. But anyway, they actually did install a plugin for me and configured it. It's called W3 Total Cache by W3 Edge. It's an amazing caching uh, plugin and stuff like that. And I'm not a huge fan of caching plugins, but if it's going to keep my server up and running and quit hitting my d- database a couple thousand times a day, then then by all means, let's let's keep my CPU usage down and keep my site up and running and smoothly without having to make me bump up to the next you know processor package. So that's what they did. And by golly, my, my site's running great. But the thing is, though, is it caches a lot of these settings. And so what I had to do is I had to go in and empty the cache and then when I reloaded the site, sure enough, that player, that little link in the player option field was was taken away. So yes, I did want to share that with you. That is um, uh, a little known bug. There should, by the time you hear this in this podcast, 2.0.3, a zip file should be available for you to download and install manually. Or if you just wait another week or two, um, you will get 2.0.3 and it will fix that bug. And when it's fixed, I hope I remember to go put the pop-up window link back in there. All right, and uh, also before I go on to Vince's question, I do have um, two other notes here. I'm gonna put some links in some show notes. I've been doing some interviews with some friends. Uh, ConnieAndSheilaTalk.com. That's uh, ConnieAndSheila, S-H-E-I-L-A-T-A-L-K.com. Connie and Sheila Talk had their 50th episode just recently. It was also their one-year podcast and it was their very first episode that uh, Connie has ever hooked up the Skype interface. So um, their show has been one of my favorites as far as my clients and uh, you know there's a handful of clients that have just done some really really amazing stuff and Connie and Sheila are certainly uh, among the the top 10 of, of podcasts that are produced by clients that I've helped launch a show and they invited me to be on their show, their 50th episode. And so I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes, as well as a link to episodes 11 and 12 of um, of a podcast called The Freebie Guy, or actually it's Learning with Leslie. And it's, uh, I think, is it Leslie Samuel, I think is his last name. But anyway, Leslie invited me. He's He goes by The Freebie Guy. So that's how I always go by The Freebie, Freebie Guy. But Leslie invited me on his podcast, and uh, he's got two links there, episodes 11 and 12, where he broke up the interview. Some very, very valuable information I shared, um, at least definitely in episode 11 and 12 about podcasting. And uh, episode number 50 with Connie and Sheila, actually it was just Connie in the in the show, Connie and myself, we really talked a lot about just philosophy and of business and life and balance and and podcasting and all kinds of other wonderful stuff. So it's, it's not so much as technical as the other stuff. So Anyway, now I'm going to get to Vince's question, and I'm going to shut up so I can go record some other podcast today. Vince, take it away. This is a question for Podcast Answer Man. Hey, Cliff, um, just a quick question. This is Vince Rotola from South Carolina, and I do the B-Movie podcast, B-Movie cast, which is about, it's a niche podcast about B-Movie, sci-fi, cult movie, stuff like that. But my question is on stats, uh, specifically Libsyn stats. Now, I'm just curious... I don't know a lot of podcasters, so I don't know if my stats are good, bad, indifferent, or whatever for a niche market like that. But um, for la- for the last three months, I think January I had 13,000-something, February is 15,000-something, March as of now, 
the 24th, I think this is, it's uh, 12,000 something. And each show seems to be getting between six and 800 downloads. And I wanted to know if those are, if you think those are good numbers or how they stack up with other stats you may have seen. And also I was wondering if I'm getting, say, 800, you know, per show or whatever, if you look in the stats, which is like maybe 3,200 a month, does that mean I'm getting like, you know, 12,000 downloads from, uh, you know, the archives or whatever? Anyway, if that makes any sense, <laughs> just let me know what you think about that. Thanks, Cliff. Uh, keep up the great shows. Bye. All right, Vince, thank you very much for your call. And I want to tell you my my uh, feelings on stats are that it's really up to you to, 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 to define what you consider to be a success. One of the things that I highly recommend for, for podcasters is to decide why do you want to podcast? Why do you podcast, Vince? You know, what is your purpose for podcasting? Is your purpose to build a huge, large audience of 5,000 people or more? Um, then if you're if that's been one of your goals is to build your audience to 5,000 people, then I, I guess you could judge where you are according to that goal. Is your goal to just share your passion online and develop relationships with people who are sharing your passion for these B movies, you know, that, that most people overlook and don't talk about? And, um, you know, if, you're, if your main goal is to, to really develop a community, a very tight, close-knit community of a couple hundred people who share this passion just as much as you do, um, then you may get 800 people and, and that, that probably is really great for you. The, thing, the question that you would ask yourself then is, is, it's not so much how many people are listening, but how many people are you connecting with? You know, how, how tight-knit is that community? How are those relationships going? And so those are the kinds of things that I look and I evaluate it. I, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I, the only reason I ever look at my stats these days is because of my role as a consultant. And I oftentimes reveal my stats only to clients. And the reason why I do that is because I want to show them that, you know, some of the things that they assume aren't always what is in reality. And you know, the thing is, is overall, my entire network, yes, I have tens of thousands of people, but some of my most popular shows and my most profitable shows financially have the smallest audiences. All right. So just keep that in mind. And, and of course, it, and, and does it doesn't matter how many people are listening. No, the question is, am I meeting the goals for which I am creating this podcast? And so if your goal is to grow, you know, 100,000 people audience, then by golly, get growing, you know, and, and, and if your goal is to develop relationships with people who share your passion, well, you've got 800 people to do that with, start cultivating the relationships with the 800 people that are currently downloading. As far as your stats, you know, you, you see it there, you, you're seeing week after week, how many people are downloading. Yes, what you, what you can do is you can actually go in and Let's say, write down how many people, take your most recent episode, write down today's date, and then write down that number, okay? The number of people who have downloaded it so far, if you don't have Lipson's advanced stats. So write that down today, and then make yourself a note in one month from now to go in and look at this episode again and see how many total number of people have downloaded it one month from now. 
and then subtract those two and yes you will see people are downloading your archives it will happen it does happen it's exciting stuff but as far as how you compared to other people i've seen hundreds of thousands of downloads and i've seen 50 downloads and i've seen both of those people be huge successful stories anyway god bless you all we'll talk to you next week